We have to go back! Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And welcome to dinner, because we are going to take a look back at the 1981 film, My Dinner with Andre. And this is a very special episode, because Ricky, you and I have not recorded an episode in the same room since we did The Phantom Menace years ago. Wow. And we thought, what better time than in the throes of a pandemic to get together? (laughs) No, it, we're doing this very carefully. Uh, we are distanced and wearing masks. So if we sound a little different, uh, there is a filter over our voices. There's a, a physical filter, actually. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And it's also uh, the week right before people celebrate gathering together over dinner. That's right. Uh, and so we decided to do that. Uh, and that's the only connection we have to my dinner. I completely Andre. forgot why we were reviewing this. That is good um uh also you know to kind of celebrate this we've mentioned in past episodes that we had a tradition in college and post-college that we always ate at the same restaurant got the same thing yeah and it was at buffalo brothers in fort worth yeah and so to commemorate that we had our own dinner before recording this episode we did we before we originally planned on eating while reviewing <laughs> but after watching the movie and hearing how it sounds when the professionals do it yes <laughs> we thought who are we to subject you to that so just know that we are uh you know we're really happy to be together and our bellies are full but not nearly as full as our hearts that is very true well said grayson thank you it was really on the fly <laughs> So, uh, my dinner with Andre, in case your only reference to that movie is, you know, that episode of Community, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where they reference it, uh, where uh, Joel McHale, as Jeff Winger says, what is dinner with Andre? Uh, dinner with Andre is a 1981 movie about two old friends meeting for dinner as one tells anecdotes detailing his experiences, the other notices their differing worldviews. Uh, it stars Wallace Shawn. You might know him as Rex from Toy Story. Oh, yeah. Or you might be familiar with his work in The Princess Bride. Yes. Uh, which, fun connection, he says the word inconceivable in this movie. <laughs> he does. Which he would forever be known for moving forward. Um, and then Andre Gregory. Yes. Uh, is the uh, the titular Andre. Yep. In this movie, which this was his acting debut on film yeah because he has a big uh background on the stage and they were playing pretty close like they weren't playing themselves they will go on to say um in later interviews that you know we're not playing ourselves in fact uh actually i'm just gonna go ahead and pull the quote uh while sean said i actually had a uh purpose as i was writing this i wanted to destroy that guy that i played to the extent that there was any of me there. Uh, I wanted to kill that side of myself by making the film because that guy is totally motivated by fear. And so um, they talked about in an interview with Ebert uh, that they were not playing themselves and that if they were to remake the film, 
uh, getting ahead, uh, they would swap the two characters to prove their point. Mm. But, you know, they are basically playing their namesakes, Wally and Andre. Right. Uh, so, but they are drawing from personal experiences. Yeah, and some of the details uh, of, like, the, the wife and girlfriend, like, their names are, are there. People that they've worked with are referenced, but all in different contexts. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just enough to create that veil of, you know, are they them? Is it, but I think it helps to know that they co-wrote this. Not mm-hmm. only are they starring in it, that they, they wrote the screenplay too. kind of a, a goodwill hunting effect, if you yes. will. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea kind of came from, uh, Andre Gregory's effort to work with a biographer on his life story. Uh, and while Sean simultaneously coming up with an idea for a story about two people having a conversation and those are two ideas that can really just mix well together. Uh, Reese's peanut butter cup was born. It was. Uh, and so they uh, they worked together. They made this movie. Now, this movie was released, but I don't think it was actually released uh, widely theatrically. I can only find the budget online. Uh, but it was given a budget of just over $475,000. Like, that's oh, wow. the budget. And they filmed everything um, at the Jefferson Hotel, which was vacant in Richmond, Virginia. So. Which means no heating. <laughs> it was very cold while they were filming. Oh, man. And so uh, even though they, you know, they say that, you know, heated blankets electric blankets are like the one of the downfalls of society uh-huh. the cast was often wrapped in electric blankets yes uh, while shooting this yeah no we andre gregory went method he's like i'm gonna be cold i have nothing but the warmth of this sweater <laughs> it's a great sweater i had a sweat i wore my my andre gregory sweater yes uh and then it just got way too warm in here <laughs> way too warm well, I had my electric cooler. That, yeah, that would... see, where's that? Oh, air conditioning? That's hmm. a good note. That's a good note. But yeah, while the while the budget may not have been you know, astronomical by any means, it did have a lot of critical success as well. I mean, it's part yes. of the Criterion Collection, mm-hmm. which is always great. Yeah, Robert and Ebert love this movie. So uh, Robert or Roger? Someone named Robert probably enjoyed it. Uh, sorry, Siskel and Ebert. It, yeah, Roger Ebert. Oh. Uh, but yeah, the, I, I watched a clip of them praising this movie, and they they love this movie so very much. They they in an interview, I think they talked about this. Someone asked Roger Ebert, I, I'm just gonna say the quote. Someone asked me the other day if I could name a movie that was entirely devoid of cliches. I thought for a moment, and then answered, "My Dinner with Andre." Oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And they, I mean, they, they just went on and on about this movie because their big praise for the movie is that, uh, it completely, uh, dismantled the idea of what a movie had to be, uh, and how simple it is, how real it is and how engaging the conversation is. Um, and it still holds up as a very solid, very, uh, entertaining movie. And I think that's where it kind of, uh, made its way to the zeitgeist is, you know, uh, Cisco and Ebert really giving it a lot of praise and telling people to see it. That's true. Yeah. Because when, when Cisco and Ebert were really at their peak, mm-hmm. um, they could make or break movies a lot yeah. of the time. And so 
it's interesting. This didn't win, you know, Oscars or anything like that, but it did get recognized by the Boston Society of, of Film Critics Awards. It won for Best American Film and Best Screenplay. Wow! And so it's uh, we'll go into reasons to recommend at the end. But have you had the experience, Ricky, of having to explain? this movie to a loved one or really anyone in your life uh i have not uh i i almost tried to explain it to my wife i was like yeah we're watching this movie and it's about people talking it almost felt like i was trying to describe seinfeld to someone yeah it's like oh yeah it's a movie about nothing but everything yeah i that's what i went through when i uh, I got to the end of it and my wife was like how was the movie i was like oh it was excellent i loved it what's it about well it's about two people talking and it's mostly in real time. And she's like, well, what happens? I was like, yeah, it's, it's the conversation that they're, they're talking and they're talking, but it's excellent. It's great. It's so it, it, I'd say the movie is so much better than any synopsis you can really give. It's an experience, yes. which is a, a testament to the writing and the performances and the directing Louis Mal. I don't know if we mentioned no. the director. Yeah. Uh, just a wonderful partnership between all these creative forces. Yeah. I mean, literally the entire plot is two men have dinner in a fancy restaurant and discuss life. Like those are the events that happen, but it's amazing how you can, uh, get that story like I, the one thing i didn't know is when i was telling my wife about the movie i was like you felt like you were the third person at the table mm, mm-hmm. like that's just what it felt like like you were sitting in on this conversation that was happening between these two people and it it felt very real but also i will have to admit uh it took some time to get used to it uh-huh. uh my undiagnosed adhd was kicking in very hard uh because i'm like okay, like I missed certain pieces of information and then they like reference back yeah. to earlier conversations. I also didn't watch it in one sitting. I watched it in like, I think maybe 20 minute intervals, but like I was a bad third person at the table. I was like, oh, I'm going to be right back. And then just left completely missed the conversation, came back. I'm like, wait, what did I miss? I like, ah, you'll catch up later. And I didn't. But so I had to go back, skip back like 10, 15 seconds every single time I, uh, was watching it back, but it does take some getting used to because you're not used to that kind of pacing, which right. is very real. Like it is, it is how natural conversations happen. Like yeah. pe- people pause or people think, and you listen a lot, especially when people are getting really into the thing that they're talking about. Yeah, especially with the personalities here, where the beginning is very Andre heavy, and the back half features more of Wallace Shawn's perspective in mm-hmm. this. So. It's, you'd be tempting to hear, oh, it's just a conversation. How could it win for best screenplay? It sounds so unstructured, but far from it. It's actually closer to like a long form improv where you're setting up scenes or giving base information so that you can build on it later. So yeah, if you miss something at the beginning, you will be lost. You won't know who they're talking about by the end of it. It demands that kind of focus and attention. Uh, and really holds the audience to a pretty high standard through the whole movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and something that I really appreciate, because I had never seen this movie before. Uh, my only reference to this movie was the episode of Community. So that's 97% of the audience, <laughs> probably. And then I also found that there was a random reference to this in The Simpsons, uh, where there is a my, my Dinner with Andre arcade game. And it's like a choose your own adventure. And then Martin is playing the arcade 
and like he's at this arcade and then they're talking and then he just leans in and says tell me more and then he just <laughs> moves the joystick to tell you more but yeah and, and so this is not what i was expecting uh but then i after i got done watching the movie i did watch that episode of community and i'm like wow i don't think i could have appreciated this episode more than finding out like when the first time i watched i'm like this is another movie i need to watch it and then understanding all the details they went into to make this reference and use that reference as a vehicle for that episode it was just amazing well let's talk about that episode really briefly because i had that in my head the whole time and even if you are not familiar with the episode we're talking about the the idea is that there are really two stories happening in that episode. You have the My Dinner with Andre story, but then it's tied into this Pulp Fiction story. Right. And both are a parody of both of these movies that played with structure, played with conventions You're of right. film yeah. in radically different ways, but both critically acclaimed for how they tried to really break the mold and not just go with the cliche right. that was becoming, and still overtakes so much of, of cinema. So thinking about, oh man, what is what feels like the most opposite, but also so complimentary film, that episode gives you the answer. It's my dinner with Andre and Pulp Fiction yep. being the extremes of innovation in film. Yeah. And I, and I just want all of our listeners to know this has been a secret agenda of ours oh, yeah. the entire time just to bring in community <laughs> to the podcast. And we've done it successfully. High five, go us. Uh, but w- the, the thing that was unexpected about this movie for me was noticing how interested I was in it. Yeah. Like, I wasn't expecting for that to be the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loosely knew it was something like that. But at the same time, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, sometimes when I kind of tuned out of the movie, it wasn't because I wasn't interested. It's because I was actually thinking about the things that they were talking about. Right. It's like, very philosophical. Very philosophical. I'm just like, oh, I don't remember ordering existential dread on the... that. That's a weird special to have. Bacon and existential crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's mm-hmm. the one. And so uh, I, I was very surprised by that. Like, very rarely does a movie propose something like that um all at once i should say like you know we we are used to seeing something along the lines of like wait what what happened at the end nolan what what was nolan saying like you're trying to dissect it after you've seen the whole movie but like very rarely from my experience i'm watching a movie and not be a mystery basically Mm -hmm. i'm trying to figure things out but it made me look at my own self in my life i'm like what where do we come from? Like, what is <laughs> yeah. living? And and it was is very interesting. And, and I think that that's something that movies, uh, especially being a fully immersive medium, uh, can can do. And I was very surprised by this movie's ability to do that in a way that you wouldn't ex- typically expect. Yeah, it, I mean, it's definitely thought over plot is oh, nice. <laughs> something I'm going to write down. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, there, there's these competing philosophies that makes you examine like which, what do you really agree with? Is it one or the other? Is it halfway? I was going to ask, I wrote, wrote this down to ask you, do yeah. you identify more with Wally or with Andre? I identify the most with the server. Who's just, uh, 
just trying to make his way through. Just come on, let's go already. Oh, uh, no, I, I'd say Wally, honestly. Yeah. I like, think we're supposed to as well. Yeah, because yeah. Andre, I think, ah, uh, like I... I empathize with him, especially with all those crazy journeys. Like when, when he talked about the scene of like, or the moment where he was like really bare, like feeling buried alive. Uh I'm just like, what? How? Like, how do you come back from that? And I started just thinking about the worst travel agent, by the way, (laughs) just terrible boy. Do I have a trip for you? (laughs) Um, I was like, Oh man. And, And I started thinking like, yeah, like how would I be transformed by something like that? Like yeah. how, you know, he talked about all these uh, experiences of coming close to death. And then Wally came in, he's like, wait a second, what about these things? I'm like, yeah, Wally, yeah, I think that's, mm-hmm. I, I, I connect to that a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I, I'd say Wally, how about you? Yeah, yeah, Wally as well. And I, and I think, like I said, you're by, that's by design. That's why it's my dinner with Andre They and why you hear his voiceover you want they want us to connect with wally i think a little more and it's his story right now he's the the protagonist if you had to identify one in this movie Mm. um and so many new ideas are being presented to him and i think we start at the same spot that wally starts that Mm -hmm. we've been lulled into this rhythm he's talking about you know how busy his day was because he had to go to the mailbox and pick up stamps and all this stuff and like the minutiae of it kind of numbs him Mm. and that's as a general audience where we're starting but then as he's hearing these new ideas and being challenged it wakes him up what i really appreciate about wally's character is that he doesn't just agree with everything once he processes what's being said he agrees at first he's like oh yeah go on tell me more oh yeah Yeah, cool (laughs) fine and he's just phoning it in but then when he has to actually make a statement and make an opinion he thinks he agrees until he keeps working on the thought. Right. And he's like, wait a minute. No, I like my life. Mm-hmm. I like the little things in it. Why do I have to blow that up to be a real person? And so I really appreciated that because I think that's what grounds the movie. That's what makes it you know, relatable in a lot of ways of being like, yeah, what's wrong with liking reading an autobiography and drinking right. cold coffee? Like that's totally a worthwhile thing if that brings you the happiness in this world. And so uh, I I think it's an interesting juxtaposition of thought. And we've definitely known people that were very Wally, people who are very Andre. I think what's really uh, appealing about this movie is that at some point in our lives, we all have to be both. We have to look at the world through Andre's eyes of I'm open to new thoughts, but then we have to come back to earth in the point of view of Wally and being like, all right, what do I do with that information? And how do I still survive as a person in the real world? And so it's just a beautiful dance between these two perspectives um, that represents so much more than just themselves, but not in a way that makes them seem non-human or anything like that. Right. They seem like real people because we've all been them at some point. I think you're 100% correct because I think that, you know, he is coming from, uh, they're also coming from two polar opposite ends of their careers as well. Like he is successful right? Uh, and he is struggling to have success. And so, their value sets are different. Uh, I, I watched a, a video that kind of talked about this idea that we continue to want to strive for the next 
thing in our life to the point that we don't enjoy anything that we currently have. Mm. Basically, that idea that, um, you know, we are so focused on the future that we are absent from the presence. And I kind of saw that kind of uh, separation between uh, Wally and Andre. It's just like Andre has kind of gotten to the point where he isn't necessarily striving for success as much because he's like, well, I've arrived at being a successful playwright and having my success but he doesn't have meaning or uh, understanding or appreciation for what he does have. So he had to go through the trenches to be able to kind of arrive to a different kind of appreciation. Yeah. But then Wally's just like, well, you know, I still want the success. I still want these things. And it's not bad to want to have the things that you basically already have. Yeah. And are saying isn't going to provide the meaning to it. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, completely different perspectives. And I think that uh, it kind of made me think of you know, how we travel now is a great metaphor for both of their points oh, yeah. of view of like, especially what you just said of the next thing seems like the most important thing. You know, it's more about the destination rather than how we get there, which is why, you know, old school train travel has basically yeah. become non-existent. And a couple of years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to go on the the train that they use for hogwarts express and so nice. that was the event like that part of the journey was how yeah. you got there and and riding on that train and yeah we've lost some of that of mm -hmm. uh, you know it's not just about you know point a and b it's it's that line in between the two and that's where most of the story comes from so to see that represented in a story where they are not physically traveling anywhere. Nothing's no. really happening. No they one's spilling anything. They don't cut away to anything. No, it's just, and like you said, sitting at the table, you feel like the third person there. I love the shots where we're on Wally and we're seeing Andre's reaction because of the mirror <sighs> behind Wallace Shawn. It's like, I know exactly where my seat at the table is. Mm -hmm. uh, and what a beautiful way to capture both reactions at once. Uh, without taking the the audience out of it and so yeah there's so many of those choices mm -hmm. where i think it is deceptively simple right uh but incredibly complicated yeah which i think describes our podcasts just I've been saying that for years <laughs> with you know, just yeah deceptively simple <laughs> You know, I, I invited you to this restaurant, mm, uh, mm -hmm. Grayson, oh, uh, you. you know, the, the sound design restaurant. You, can't uh -huh. you hear the people there? You know, they're, they're talking and stuff. Uh, yes. Um, I would love, mm -hmm. um, let's see. No, okay. I'm sorry. They are out of quail, unfortunately. Oh, no. Um, and so what I think would be really great uh, is uh, this word that they have in French. Um, it is called... Uh, Headcanon? Headcanon. <laughs> Headcanon is the part show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. So, I mean, my biggest piece of headcanon is that this movie is just taking place while Rex dreams <laughs> from Toy Story. <laughs> Anytime they go into their uh, their little uh scatter Andy's here state, they just go off into their own little dreamland. Oh, that's interesting. Um and uh, uh, just because uh, we're rewatching as a family the Toy Story series, so it's just very fresh in my brain. Um, you know, when the the toys seem to not be that active at night, like when they put them away in the toy chest, like everyone just kind of like goes to sleep, I guess. I guess. Mm -hmm. 
And so my my headcanon is just like, yeah, this is what the toys dream of. They dream of these very uh, long existential uh, life. They just wax poetically about life and have uh they chew on these big conversations i like that i like the idea that that is rex's secret world yep uh yeah like what'd you do last night rex i dreamed that i was having dinner with an old friend at first i went along with it because i don't like confrontation <laughs> inconceivable uh i love it that's, no, that's my great piece of head cannon. No, and, and the thing about this movie is that it's not really meant for headcanon. A lot right. of, I mean, it's supposed to be like, think about the ideas. Like mm-hmm. what you're saying, you get lost in your own mind to being like, oh, do I agree with that? And so it was really hard for me to be like, all right, but in the context of two friends having dinner, what's actually happening? But I think I got it, Ricky. Okay. I think I got it. So at one point, Andre's talking about Walt Whitman's idea of being connected to everything Mm -hmm. and how that also, if you extrapolate that means that we are connected to death. And he says, that's pretty scary. So my head canon is that Wallace Shawn died in the very open of this movie when he almost got hit by that truck. When he's crossing the street, truck drives by. He's like, Whoa, he kind of like looks by Uh, it's very subtle, but it happens early, early on. Um, and then he kind of goes into this trance state as we're listening to his voiceover and he's talking about what he did during the day. And so that subway that he gets on with all the graffiti on it, he kind of reacts to it and then gets on and then he just continues on his way. I think that subway was him being ushered into the afterlife, uh, kind of like the trams in defending your life. And so when he gets to the, the dinner, I think Andre Gregory is also dead that this is the afterlife and he's trying to teach him everything that he learned from his life. And now he's trying to make sense of it in this new state. And so everyone there, the, you know, the waiter, everyone connected, like they're all in the afterlife and this is what happens next. Um, And I believe that, you know, if that's how Wally died was being hit by the car there, that Andre Gregory's character uh, that he died in the forest. Yeah. So that picture that he shows where he looks really different, looks really haggard, um, that that was the event that eventually killed him. And there, there's tons of language in there that, you know, it's life and death, big ideas. Um, but he describes uh, a feeling like he was floating above the ground. Um, said that they were uh, it, like, it was like fighting the devil when they were burning that flag, right. that there was something like evil in it. Um, and the Montauk story, which I tried to make an eternal sunshine connection <laughs> at some point, but Meet me a Montauk. the Montauk story, um, it wasn't just a reenactment of his death. That's how he interpreted it. But he was actually being buried and processed and they were doing an autopsy and all of that. Wow. But that is how his afterlife spirit perceived those events and how he was processing them. Um, and you know, he says that that event in Montauk, he said that was the last big event. That was the end. And he flat out says at the end of the movie, we're ghosts, we're phantoms. Who are we? <laughs> and so I was like, well, that's pretty straightforward oh, there. What I thought was really lunch. interesting too. Is, yeah, let's, let's wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> is that when Wally is starting to talk that way, the sound design is so beautifully subtle in this movie. You get like quirks popping and people chattering. But when Wally starts talking about death towards the end of the movie, 
you can hear ambulances in the background outside of, and I was listening You're on right. headphones and all that. It was very apparent of like, there was some emergency event happening outside. So probably coincidence, I would guess, but the evidence was really fun to stack up that this is Wally's orientation into the afterlife. Wow. Which is also a beautiful sentiment then, you know, in the, the epilogue taxi scene that he said, every single building, every block, every street had a memory from my life that I associated with it. He's walking backwards through his life as we fade to black. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And, I mean, just to put the cherry on top, the movie did end with its title. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> and you got your, uh, your title drop there on Instagram. Oh, uh, man. And I was like, they did it. They actually did it. But the first time I did, I was just like, wow, they actually ended it with the title. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it was like, and that was my dinner with Andre. And then that was it. And then beautiful Easter egg of using the outcast and Andre 3000. <laughs> All right, all right. Uh, man, that's really good. I think that that's just head true. Um, and I I love it. That's brilliant. Thank you. All right, now we're going to go to the part show where we like to talk about recast and remake. Recast or remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? I would just... I would love for this to become like a new podcast series mm. where basically it is just unedited uncut just different celebrities talking to each other about different topics they act, i mean this exists already i'm sure you're saying um but they but i would love for that structure to be like you know you're not promoting a movie you're yeah. not talking about anything like you are having a one-on-one -on -one conversation the only uh you know challenge is that you just have to be very transparent so you want my last call with carson daly <laughs> I never thought I'd say <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> no, I think yes. I think that's fantastic. It was giving me uh, real uh, comedians and cars getting coffee vibes. Yeah, like if it was scripted. Right. That's the thing. Like at no point does this feel like it's actually like a documentary, which I feel right. like it feels like a film the whole time. Yes. There's none of like trying to pull a, a switch there. Um, but yeah, it would be great to see these fictionalized versions of celebrity matchups and. And explore different thoughts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also, I think the remake of it, it, it would be so fun to see um, just the, I like the pairing. I also think that mm -hmm. like the pairing of like someone who's at the beginning of the career with someone who's like basically towards the end of their career, like seeing oh, yeah. those different kind of mashups, like an up and coming actor with a very seasoned actor and them just yeah. talking about life or their, um, you know, th their viewpoint on the industry or whatever. I just think that that would be uh, really compelling. And because I, there's part of me when I was watching this, um, I visually got distracted, but I was still listening to it aud uh, like uh, audibly. But I was like, man, this would be such a fascinating uh, podcast as like a fictional narrative, basically, where basically we just go around and you just hear these conversations being had. Um, very avant-garde but just like you're just overhearing or listening to other dinner conversations i yeah. think would also be interesting so basically the concept would be like my dinner with andre and you go in and you just record it's like a hidden camera show except 
the identities of people are never revealed and it might even be animated huh. uh, just to kind of recreate whatever setting you want to recreate. Right, yeah. Uh, but you just capture these real-life conversations with people and I think that that would be really, really interesting. Yeah, eavesdropping. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My dinner with who's ever behind <laughs> me. <laughs> oh, that, that'd be a really cool concept, yeah. That you are uh, seated near this interesting... Yeah. Interesting conversation, huh? That yeah. would that feels like the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. You could do that for this movie. <laughs> the, t- the story of the people that were one table over. They're like, these guys. I think they're going to they? shut this restaurant oh, down. Yeah, we got to go. I feel so bad for this waiter. Uh, yeah, for, for a remake of this, you know, these characters, since they're playing fictionalized versions of themselves in, in name only really but right it's so connected to their personalities and like you mentioned if they redid it they have expressed wanting to switch roles which i think is really interesting um and uh so i took a, a crack at general recasting which would be bill Hader and josh gad yes um i love the idea though you know you really tapped into the experience of someone at the end someone at the beginning that pairing could be anything. I mean, it made me think of like Robert Downey Jr., Tom Holland kind of stuff. Yes. But just that kind of relationship. But right. yeah, I was getting I was getting very Bill Hader vibes of, you know, I, he's been very open mm-hmm. um, about a lot of the anxiety that he's experienced in show business. And, you know, Josh Gad has that very personable feel to him that I, I, th- I think Wally leans a lot on in this movie um and represents more of like the everyman um but i thought that'd be interesting and then for recasting the waiter i had martin scorsese um just i i I, it's typecasting on eyebrows but i think (laughs) i think it'd be fun i also like the idea of you know a role like that still having such a famous person in that position right he doesn't really say anything throughout the whole thing i mean it's just taking the order and that kind of deal but I think it'd be fun to have that presence. It would be amazing. I also try to connect this to like, uh, like an unofficial trilogy. Like if this is my dinner with Andre having like breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, and then Cronenberg's naked lunch, just make a whole day of day of it. Yeah. My mid afternoon tea. Yeah. There you go. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, and then last call with Carson Daly. There you go. <laughs> yep. Oh man. Yeah. I like that. Or just make it a kid's version called My Din Din with Andy. <laughs> Every Saturday morning. Every Saturday morning. <laughs> Why do we exist? It's what? a special, special segment in Sesame Street where they, this is how they introduce philosophy to young kids. My Din Din with oh. whoever the celebrity is. Yeah. Like, oh, I see you have a train. Today we're going to look at the trolley experiment. <laughs> <laughs> saving the life of one worth more than saving the life of many you tell me kids yeah, that's a very beautiful finger painting that you have there it reminds me of plato's forms and how everything <laughs> is representative from a single source of beauty the form of beauty uh, i love it sesame street you listen in <laughs> And now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend My Dinner with Andre? Well, Ricky, I'd recommend My Dinner with Andre because it's so relevant today. It's about breaking the social ice, um, you know, getting out of our isolation, our solitude, which 
yeah, I mean, that's what we're all living in right mm-hmm. now. Um, and reconnecting with the, the people around us, you know, this is why we felt like it was important to do this episode, uh, safely in person. Mm-hmm. And, and really, I mean, we've been back in the same city now for six months, and this is the first time that you and I have been even close to in the same room together. So it, it's a special thing. And I'm, I'm glad that this movie could facilitate that. Um, also, I mean, it's important to keep in mind, this is way before social media way before yet the lessons are still relevant and i i think that's amazing that's why you know if they did revisit this idea i think you could have a my dinner with andre second serving whatever it is um they have so much more to talk about now yes. um and so yeah that that's why it feels timeless in a lot of ways um and it, it's they talk a lot about social weirdness too mm-hmm. Um, so they say that the things we say, we say weird things when we can't be direct when you're kind of sidestepping and just playing along with the habits of the world, it feels weird. You sound weird. And so an exploration of that, you know, is done really beautifully in this movie. And, um, the, the quote that I wrote down from, from the film was everyone's floating through this fog of symbols and unconscious feelings. No one says what they're really thinking about. And I, I think that's a really interesting thought to kind of mull over. I mean, there are tons of interesting thoughts in this movie that you can either reject or accept or, or just kind of ruminate on a little longer. But at the same time, you know, we can't lose that purposefulness. That's what this movie is about. It's mm-hmm. about being mindful, purposeful, taking the time to enjoy and appreciate the world around us. Don't let life just happen to you. Mm-hmm. Be an active participant in it. Uh, and whatever that looks like for you. And in this movie, Wally and Andre go about that in very different ways. Um, and they ask the question, are you really alive inside? Um, or, you know, this, and this is what connected back to my head canon. Are you, are you dead? Like, are you essentially just deciding that you're already dead and not going to be an active participant in what's happening around you? Um, they're all very provocative, big questions that are posed during this film. Um, but ultimately to me, I think it all, this story, if you're looking for some kind of plot, looking for arc and all that, I think it comes down to the waiter at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a moment where the waiter you know, gives a, a disappointed look to Wally. And at least I read it that way. And I thought a lot about that. It kind of bothered me. I was like, what, what is happening with the, the waiter? When he's walking up, he has the cigarette and all that. Everyone else has been gone for hours. They closed down the restaurant. But the waiter shares that look with Wally. And I was like, what is that about? So I think what it comes down to is that Andre, with all of his philosophies and travels in the world, and he's got big ideas, he hasn't really changed at all. Hasn't changed a bit. Oh, and it's this feeling wow. of a you know, wasted experience, wasted education. Huh. What is he actually doing? The thought doesn't mean anything without the action. Yeah. Because they stayed late. They kept the waiter past his shift. And they never show him any acknowledgement or gratitude throughout the entire thing. It bugged me so much throughout the movie that he's refilling wine glasses. He's bringing them their meals and all of that. And they just continue their conversation and the most he gets is like a nod. And so when it comes to the end of the meal, uh, it, it's just this perfunctory function of paying him out. There's no, Oh, I'm so sorry. We stayed late. And there's no recognizing him as a person. And I think that connects back to 
what they talked about with Jimmy the doorman, mm -hmm. that they bought into privilege. They bought into the right to be Mr. So-and-so and the doorman will forever be Jimmy. And so they acknowledge that. They know it. They're speaking very loudly about it in this restaurant. And then wow. they turn around and do the exact same thing to the waiter here. And he doesn't have a name. He's just the waiter in this movie. And I think that's by design. And, and I think Wally is the one who recognizes that in that moment when the waiter gives him a look and he knows something's off. And that's when Wally decides to change his perspective. Hmm. That's why we're following him while we, why we hear his inner thoughts at the end, because he took all of that experience that Andre shared, all of those thoughts and it changed the way he saw the world. And yeah. I like to believe that you know, if we followed Wally throughout his life, we would see him treat people differently. We would see more decency between him and yeah. other people. And uh, th there'd be more of that respect paid to those around him. Ultimately, you know, earlier we asked, do you identify more with Wally or do you identify more with Andre? And, you know, we came to the conclusion you should identify more with Wally because he, well, he's more grounded just in general. But yeah. you're supposed to gravitate towards Wally because the idea is that Wally is someone who has taken in the education of the world, but then actually changed his actions to appreciate the world with a sense of enjoyment and balance. And wow. so it's a, it's a big movie. Like we said, it is deceptively simple in its yeah. uh, presentation, but this is one that I'm going to be thinking about for a long, long time. And I'm, I can honestly say, I feel like I've added one more movie to my list of favorite films. Like it is, I, I'm, I'm going to rewatch this. I'm sure I'm going to get different things from it. I'm going to rewatch that community episode, get yeah. much different things from that. But ultimately I recommend my dinner with Andre because the main course is food for thought. Oh, you did it. You did it. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that so many reasons to recommend. And, uh, I, I think my main reason to recommend this movie is just because, um, I was really, impressed with the reviews of this movie mm -hmm. and i and i think that these kinds of movies are necessary in the breadth of movies that we watch because it's it was really refreshing to kind of see what movies can be mm -hmm. because we expect movies to be what they are like a, a lot of people complain about movies being formulaic or too simple or just doing the same thing that this other movie does and is it's cool to be reminded that uh, you almost don't need anything more than just an idea to have a movie. Hmm. Um, and this is one of the few movies that I've seen that was uh, intended to be a stage play hmm. um, that translated very well into film, actually. Yeah. Um, because I remember there are several times when Andre is talking and I'm just like, oh, he is a stage actor because those lines, though, I was just <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, he's just going off the top of his head. Like he is essentially monologuing 50 times throughout this movie. And it's amazing. And he has these very specific details. And I'm just like really impressed. I'm just like, like, I want to just hear him have this conversation. But I'm also having to add a layer of appreciation of like, oh, my gosh, like he is owning every line of dialogue that yeah. he is delivering. Uh, and so I, I think that this movie uh, and the reason why I'd recommend it is because it does such a good job of um, telling a story 
and showing you how story through conversation uh, can still happen without uh, visually taking people somewhere else and how your mind engages with movies differently when that isn't there. Like, and how, like, I'm telling you, like, this is a movie experience that I, I can't really say I've had with any other movie. Like, I, I can't remember many movies where I'm just pausing and just thinking about, like, what, what do I think about this thing? Like, I'm usually just in the story, seeing these characters, and yeah. feeling these emotions along the way. Well, we haven't done Darkman 3 yet, so <laughs> give it time. <laughs> That's right. There is still time for that. Um, but yeah, I just really appreciate what this movie offered and, and how, uh, you know, even with both characters having very strong ideas, I think something that was really refreshing is that they were both receptive of one another. Mm. Uh, they they heard mm. each other, mm -hmm. right? And, yeah. and I thought that that was really interesting. I'm just like, you know, I think uh, conversations like this don't happen as often because of a lot of the reasons that they were talking about. Um he said, uh, you know, uh, you would love to know if your friends have experienced similar things, but we just don't dare to ask each other. Uh, and Andre says, no, it would be like asking your friend to drop his role. Like when they were all talking about acting and everyone has a role, I was just like, oh, my gosh, my brain. Like this is it was just so good. So all that to say, I, I'd recommend this movie because of what it is. It is an unexpected, very thought-provoking, uh, and very uh, kind of challenging film. But it's good. Mm -hmm. And I think it's worth engaging with because the movie engages you in it. This doesn't, uh, it's not uh, how t people typically talk about movies. It's like, yeah, just sit back, relax. And just like lean forward <laughs> and tense up. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and and I, I recommend the movie for that because I, I really think that the real dinner was the friends that we made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually was in this case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that is our review of My Dinner with Andre, the 1981 movie. Let us know what you remember about My Dinner with Andre. If you do, if you've never heard of it, then... Um, I guarantee you we haven't spoiled much of anything. No, like they talk you, about yeah. a lot of stuff. Uh, so tell us what you think my dinner with Andre is about and uh, yeah let us know what you think about my dinner with Andre on our social media platforms on Facebook Twitter and Instagram we are at Flashback Flicks and it would mean so much to us if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice uh, on a scale of one to five courses I was going to say the same thing I mean yeah it's got to be a five course meal yeah right? five yeah. course meal like something that you can fill up on yeah or something that you are going to uh one would be like, oh, this is how expensive like, things oh, are? Just bread, please. Uh, no thanks. So, yeah, let's scale one to five. Yeah, yeah. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind.